100 years ago, the Rialto Theater opened across the street from, at the time, the recently completed Hotel Congress. I think it was our entertainment district. We had the hotel, we had a restaurant. Pretty sure there's a bar in there. Now you have a vaudevillian theater. The Rialto is a downtown iconic fixture. As you roll in from the east, heading west, you just can't miss that marquee that is all lit up. Hasn't always been that way, though. The 100 years have not been smooth for the Rialto Theater. They've undergone some changes and some renovations, some challenges, and some perseverance. And last night, the Rialto, the Rialto Theater Foundation celebrated this 100th anniversary as part of their annual fundraising gala. It was a black and white masquerade affair, and as expected, it was a popular place to be on Leap Day 2020. Well, in honor of this milestone, we pulled out our archives, a uh, 2018 feature we did on the theater with Julie Raglan, the development director of the Rialto Theater Foundation. Now, this theater has survived an arson attempt. It was originally designed for vaudeville, but it showed adult films. It's been used to store furniture, and it is haunted. When you talk to Julie Raglan, she says all of this is just simply part of its funky vibe. Formed as part of the Rio Nuevo's efforts to preserve the history of downtown Tucson, the Rialto Theater Foundation has now restored the theater to being one of the top live performance spots in the world. The foundation has uh, since added Arbar and 191 Tool to its uh, operations. So we sat down with Julie in 2018 to get a little history of the foundation and discuss its mission. So here's that interview from 2018 with Julie Ragland. I'm Julie Ragland. I'm the development director at the Rialto Theater Foundation. How long have you been with the Rialto Foundation? It'll be two years in April. What do you like most about what you do? I love being part of the downtown Tucson community and, and being part of the Rialto, which is a big part of the downtown Tucson community. This is a fairly new endeavor as a foundation. It's The Rialto Theater has been around for years. It is, right. So do you want like the quick and dirty history of Rialto? Give us the quick and dirty, but don't skip the dirty. because Okay, <laughs> there is some dirty, <laughs> dirty history there. So Rialto was, um, was built in, um, in 1919. Hotel Congress and the Rialto Theater um, were built in conjunction with each other. And the Rialto opened in 1920 as a vaudeville house. There was uh, an orchestra pit as well as an organ. And performances were down to live music and would have been of the variety show type. And then it became a movie house. So it showed some of the first talking pictures um, in the 1920s. Then throughout the decades had a few different iterations. Uh, a furniture warehouse at one point. It was Spanish language cinema at a couple different points. It was a pornographic theater at one point, And that was um, the impetus for the arson attempt. So there was a woman who was upset about Deep Throat being shown at the theater and hung out in the, in the balcony after the theater had closed and attempted to burn down the balcony. Um, and and that w the, the balcony wasn't actually restored until the, the foundation um, took over in 2004 uh, during a Spanish language 
film in 1984, there was a boiler explosion underneath the stage, and that uh, shut, nobody was hurt, thankfully, but it shut down and condemned the building for some years. Um, in the mid-80s, it almost got torn down and became a parking lot, and I don't know what grace of God there was to stop that, but it wasn't torn down and sat vacant for a few more years. And then um, two gentlemen that had been pretty involved in um, in KXCI, um, Jeb Shunover and Paul Bear, bought the theater and reopened it in the mid-1990s. Um, but like no air conditioning back then, it was still, it was, it was still fairly run down. Um, but reopened and started uh, hosting concerts again. And then in 2004, as part of the Rio Nuevo project, the, um, the Rialto Theater Foundation was formed. And it's operated as the Rialto Theater under the, the direction of the Rialto Theater Foundation since then. Correct. And in that time frame, the foundation's grown as well. It's acquired some new properties and new businesses. So in 2014, after the Cadence building went up, um, there's a, a little spot in the Herbert Alleyway that was available. And so we... Uh, established the R bar in that space. You can um, exit through the east side door during shows and go over to the R bar, hang out outside, get a craft cocktail without really leaving the Rialto property. In 2016, we took over a, a warehouse space in the Warehouse Arts District on Tool Avenue, um, which at one point had been Mocha the Museum of Contemporary Art, and then at one point had also been Scrappies, um, and then had been being used by a church. We ended up taking over that venue, and we've been programming that with multiple shows weekly ever since then. And it mirrors the Rialto in that we program all types of performance and music in there. So just like at the Rialto, we're bringing in a high volume of shows across multiple, multiple genres. It's in our mission to provide music for the whole community, to you know, provide a, a, a pl- place where people can come hear uh, high-quality music and, and experience live performance. Because our community is diverse, we feel very committed to providing diverse offerings for, um, for our patrons and our community. We do a higher volume of shows than a lot of venues, so we don't always make money on every single show. We are more willing than a lot of places to take chances. You know, some of that is just because we want artists to have a platform for their art, and the Rialto is a, a great place for that. Part of your mission, I just thought sometimes you had some really funky taste. <laughs> That's part of it, too. We do have funky taste, but but it is our mission to provide a, a wide array of entertainment. We do have a really funky vibe, and we've got our murals throughout the venue that I think make the Rialto really unique. Not only are we providing a place for performance artists, we're also providing a place for visual artists to showcase their work. You know, we've got four or five permanent murals throughout the venue, both on the inside and the and the exterior. And then we also have our rotating advertising murals on the east side of the building. And so I think that's a pretty cool thing too. And the Rialto Theaters would recognize nationally as one of the best live venues for a show, isn't that correct, or am I, mis- am I misinformed? No, cor- that's correct. So actually, um, Consequence of Sound in 2016 named the Rialto um, one of the best live venue, live music venues in the United States. 
And then um, Polestar magazine, which compiles, it's an industry magazine that compiles uh, ticket sales and, you know, other industry, music industry related data, um, does their annual listings. And so at the end of last year, we were, um, I think, number 36 or 37, I'll have to check, um, in their worldwide listing of club venues of our size. So that kind of shows you, and that's, that's just compiling, uh, touring, national touring acts, the ticket sales for national touring acts. So it doesn't include like community shows or other smaller shows that we might put on. So we're in the middle of our interview from 2018 with Julie Ragland of the Rialto Theater Foundation. She's been there now for four plus years. And she's sharing with us the, the history of the Rialto and a little bit of how it uh, has come back into being one of the best venues for music in uh, the country, actually. I think top 30 in a couple of different polls she just mentioned. We'll be back to finish up that interview in just a moment. And I want to remind you that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, available for streaming on downtownradio.org. And starting next week, moving to 11 a.m. All right, we are back. We're going to get to the uh, completion of our interview with Julie Raglan of the Rialto Theater Foundation. As a reminder, this is from 2018. So in this next episode, she's going to talk about a capital campaign that's about to start. Well, they have done that first phase of the campaign. And in fact, the items that she mentions that they're... Uh, uh, focused on have actually been completed at the Rialto Theater, but we want you to, to hear about what's the next phase uh, that they are working on. So again, this is 2018, Julie Raglan with the Rialto Theater Foundation. So the foundation, they've uh, got the Rialto back, they've got a, the R-Bar, they've opened up 191 tools, so I guess they're done, right? The biggest thing that's going on right now is that we've launched a capital campaign uh, gathering our big leadership gifts before we launch the campaign publicly, but we're almost ready to launch this this campaign publicly, and it'll be for some significant and much needed renovations for the theater. Um, so the first phase will be complete renovation, upgrade, expansion of the restrooms. They'll they'll be completely ADA compliant and then greatly expanded. If you've been in the Rialto restrooms at all within the past 20 years you know that um that they're they're pretty outdated and so this that aspect will be happening this year and then we'll be doing some work to the auditorium uh we'll be tiering the floor so right now it's got the slope uh which it can be pretty uncomfortable to stand on and really limits the configurations that we can do in terms of putting tables out you know renting out the theater for uh, weddings, quinceañeras, you know, private rentals um, is really limited because of that slope of the floor. So we'll be tiering the floor. So there'll be a flat dance floor, some stairs, and a, a, um, a wheelchair lift up to a second tier. So that'll be an exciting change. And then we'll be consolidating bars. So right now you've got the main bar in the lobby, and then you, there's an auditorium bar inside the main auditorium. And those will be... Um, those will be consolidated into one bar that you can walk around 360 degrees. When you're talking about a second tier, you're not referring to the balcony. You mean on the main no, floor? No, on the main floor, correct. Right. So we're not planning balcony renovations at this time, although there are some aspirations for that at some point. So the campaign is a million-dollar campaign, and we've raised about half of that right now. 
Um, so what we'll be doing is we'll be revealing our plans to the general public and then we'll be asking the general public and our patrons to help us reach the goal. You currently offer memberships to the theater. That, that You're talking about a completely separate campaign. Correct. Okay. Right, correct. So any contribution, because we're a, a nonprofit organization, any contributions toward that capital campaign will be fully tax deductible. And so that's, you know, a great reason to donate to that campaign. So the membership program is something that we've been doing for a few years now that's offering memberships to the general public. And as a member, you get a, a wide array, array of benefits in return for your membership. We have memberships starting at $30 all the way up to $2,500, and uh, there are, are seven membership tiers all together. The funds for the foundation, you have ticket sales, donations, memberships, sponsorships. You can you can sponsor as well. Or, Absolutely. And I've seen people in the lobby, so you can rent out your lobby for a show to... to to sponsor a particular show, right? So we've got uh, we've got monthly underwriting opportunities. So you would pay us a monthly a monthly amount, and um, we advertise for you on our on our website, on our emails, in the theater, um, on our slides. We call what we call concert vision, which are the TVs that you see around the venue um, that we're advertising on. Um, and then you can also do sponsorships. You can do single show sponsorships or a series of show sponsorships. And so that would be, you know, you as a business looking at our show lineup and uh, thinking about what what target audience would be a good match. And then you could sponsor a show that you think would be a good match for, for your, uh, your clientele. And then you could have, you know, banners up and have a booth in the lobby or have a tent out front um, and get a, a bunch of really targeted uh, advertising as part of that. And then I also found out fairly recently, which others may know, you can rent the theater or 191 tool for private events. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. You can rent the theater or 191 tool for private events. Um, you know, anything from a, from weddings. We've had weddings here, quinceañeras, uh, private fundraisers, concerts, that sort of thing. So both venues are great. The uh, the the Rialto, the capacity of Rialto is about 1,300. Um if we don't seat the whole thing. It's about 900 if we do seat the whole thing. And then 191 tool is capacity 500 standing or about half of that, about 250 seated. Um, so, you know, we have a, a lot of a good options for that. 191 is a really accessible venue. So, you know, whereas the theater, it can be hard to get a date. Uh, you know, it's like if you came to us and you wanted a Saturday in April, um, we probably wouldn't give it to you because we might have a big show that comes through, you know, that's going to make us a lot of money. Um, but 191 is is pretty available and accessible for smaller groups, you know, community groups, other nonprofits to rent that space. But if I need something Tuesday morning in the middle of July, I might be able to get the Rialto? Probably. <laughs> Good chance, yes. Uh, and if someone uh, or a group wanted to tour the Rialto to get a sense of the history, is that something you guys do as well? Absolutely. Yep. We'll always put together a tour if people want to come and see the Rialto and hear a little bit about the history. Uh, so, yeah, any of any time somebody has interest in that, they can reach out and contact me directly. Um, we are a part of the League of Historic American Theaters, people working in and at uh, historic theaters throughout the United States. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing that is, has been really interesting to learn about is the kind of the role of 
historic theaters in these Renaissance um, occurrences that are happening throughout the the whole nation, um, similar to what's happening here, where there's a big influx back into urban areas um, that you know had kind of been abandoned in the mid-century with the advent of television and the suburbs and people you know, kind of abandoned downtowns, and now people are coming back to downtowns. Uh, historic theaters that haven't been lost are being renovated and revitalized and are being used once again for uh, for arts and culture like they were originally intended. You have a list of things you want to cover. What what have we not talked about that is important? So I think we've covered, we've covered the history, the gala membership, the capital campaign, um, this is all leading up to the Rialto's 100th anniversary uh, in 2020. So we'll be throwing big parties throughout 2020, um, celebrating the the 100th anniversary of the Rialto and, you know, gearing up toward the next 100 years of the Rialto Theater. Well, we like to uh, bookend this, uh, this interview. We did it in 2018 talking about some of the upcoming changes. And if you've been to the Rialto Theater, you know that uh, phase one of that capital campaign is complete. The bathrooms are amazing, completely different than they were when we aired this interview originally. And, you know, they have uh, now surpassed that 100-year mark. The gala was last night, another huge success for the Rialto Theater. And uh, they're just now gearing up for uh, the next 100 years. Well, my name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM. We're available for streaming on downtownradio.org. And as of March 8th, 2020, our show is moving to 11 a.m.